You know, for a long time, I meant to try Pete's coffee, but just never gave it a chance. But ever since I did, I have a hard time settling on anything less. And there's something to say about a coffee company with such rich history and devotion to bring you that perfect brew. Since Alfred Pete opened his first coffee bar in 1966, Pete's has selectively sourced the finest beans in the world, carefully calibrating each roast by hand and crafting each beverage with the utmost care. Pete's aims to produce fresh from the roaster's coffee delivered directly to your door, sourcing the top 1% of coffee beans, roasted by hand to unlock each bean's potential, and delivering it to you fresh to bring you the perfect cup. With over 30 flavor varieties in both gourmet coffees and teas, like Vietnam Lotus Bold, Major Dickinson's Blend, and Arabian Mocha Java, you are sure to find the right flavor to start your day. And they even come in K-Cups for those of you who live life on the go. Check out all the varieties of Pete's has to offer by following the link in the show notes below. And starting August 30th, you can take advantage of their Labor Day sale and get yourself 20% off anything on their site by using promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout. This offer is valid through September 5th. That's promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase this Labor Day. But why not do one better? Use promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout and you get yourself 30% off of a new subscription to Pete's Coffee. That's right. All the delicious coffee you could want delivered right to your door each and every month without you ever having to worry about running low. What more could you ever need? That's promo code NEWSUB30 for 30% off your subscription. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spread the words, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The Nightmare of Insane Murder. From the depths of hell. everyone welcome back to grindhouse where we drink coffee and talk about movies i'm leah diana today with my boyfriend and co-host sean tatro we will be winding back the reel to 1965 a young woman is terrorized by her deceased fiance's demented mother who blames her for her son's death in die die my darling let's get into it Die, die, my darling. Die, die. Hurry! Bye bye, my darling. Bye bye. Die. Mrs. Trafoy! Die, my darling. It's quite for the best that I lay you to rest. Die, die, my darling. 
you never intended to remain true to this, Stephen. Get me out of here! Die. Die, my darling. Die. Die. One of the most terrifying suspense thrillers this side of insanity. Die. Die, my darling. You must die. Die, my darling. So it's worth starting off that neither of us knew what to expect going into this week's movie. Nope. And I don't know about you, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was not. This almost, to me, felt exactly like I thought it was going to be. Really? Yeah. Like, when... So this was the... This... Okay. This was the poster that sold me. So this poster is completely different from this one. Okay. This is the one that sold me. And I was expecting somebody that kind of looked like um, Yasmeen Bleak from 90210. (laughs) Like, literally, it's a beautiful brunette, like, teeny, teeny waist. Like, I was expecting something different. But I figured it was like, I thought it was going to be an old lady sewer who, like, killed women who were pretty in fashion. Oh, you had no like, like no idea. I had no idea. Right. So what I thought it was going to be was an older lady jealous for women's fashion. And for a while, that looked like it was where it was headed. I was actually like, oh, my God, did I predict this in my brain? Did I do it? No, this one, it definitely takes a different turn. It's actually the type of story it ended up being was something that, like... I only really find in modern horror movies. Really? Well, in terms of the depths it goes to where with like it's very psychological, it has a lot to do with religion and like you didn't see a lot of that back in the grindhouse era, at least not to this extent, not not in this um, not tone. In this, yeah, not in this tone. I mean, to the context and to the let's face it, um, zealot kind of way that it's almost portrayed. Yeah, that's a predictable element in horror. Now, now, but uh, you think more with a then brain. I think more of a now brain. So to me, this movie, while I was like, oh, okay, this is different from what I expected and good, it was very, oh, all right. Oh, oh okay. This didn't wow me because to me it was like, oh, okay, that's what's going to happen. Oh, okay, I, that's what's going to happen. I think this one caught me off guard because I was expecting a more schlocky type of horror movie. It did start out feeling pretty schlock. Right. There was a lot of schmo- schlock moments. But it got intelligent, almost too intelligent, I think. Yeah, it got very intelligent. It got very, like, real and dark. And I actually quite enjoyed it. I felt about this the way I did was As Soon As The Darkness. Didn't you hate As Soon As The Darkness? So, I hated it, but now after, how how long has it been? It's been a very long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I appreciate that movie in a different sense, to where now I've watched plenty of films. I'd like to give that one another review and kind of see 
how I feel about it now because now I'm like, I think I was too hard on that film at the moment because I understand, I think, with the now brain and I'm not going to get the movie that I want. I'm going to get the movie that I'm not going to get the movie that I wanted in my brain. I'm going to get the movie that I need to see from that era. I think uh, watching it a second time, you'll probably be able to see it in a different light as well. Yeah, a little more of that giallo type Italian cinema mystery type of... You also know what to expect now. Well, Like, in terms of the tone. True. But I also... I have a real hard time remembering things. So I see, like, my memory is more bits and pieces to where you can cohesively say lines from a movie that I don't fucking remember ever came out at midnight when we're trying to sleep. You know, and me, I'm sitting here going, oh, monkey brain. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I remember bits and pieces from that, but I do remember me thinking like six months later when somebody like somebody mentioned it on like a show we were watching like it was said as in the dark it was like oh yeah i remember hating that but i was too hard on it like and i was like time to watch that again so i went in this one same thought but accepting that this is not gonna be this oh my god amazing film this is going to be a grindhouse film you're picking so run with it and have fun. Which is kind of funny because you picked it as a grindhouse film, but it ended up... It, I'm not going to say it's not one, but it, it ended up being higher brow than I would have thought. I would categorize this probably with Eyes of Laura Mars. Yeah, it's somewhere up on that it level. It gave me that same kind of feeling. Where Eyes of Laura Mars being in the 70s, to me, if it had elements... Like, almost like this, I would think it was, oh, that's so fucking cheesy and schlocky. So, like, what 10 years would make a difference? Understanding the 60s, like, this is a great film. In the 70s, this is schlock. We've had this already. And then the 80s, it's, you know, Disney's underground home video release, please don't ever buy me kind of thing. Yeah. So. Uh, Did you, so, I'd like to just briefly talk a little bit about the cast. Absolutely. The... So the big draw of this one is uh, Tallulah Bankhead. I personally felt like she delivered an incredible performance. She was in this movie. amazing. Like now I understand why this woman was one of the best actresses of early Hollywood. Yeah, and like I feel like she, she her performance is so powerful, and she's as this like God fearing older old woman who's she's like so mentally twisted by her grief yeah that she well and by her belief in god i guess that she's like she's driven into this state of like dark age religious madness yeah and it kind of reminded me of i don't think you've seen this one but the movie uh the sacrament from ty west it's a found footage movie. I have not, no. But there's a character in that played by Gene Jones, and he's supposed to be like this, like, Jim Jones, like, religious cult leader type. Mm. And he plays it with such a haunting, like, feeling, but it's, like, so real and terrifying. Mm. And, like, this performance kind of reminded me of that. Like, you could see that she was pouring a lot of heart and emotion into that character, especially at certain moments, which we'll get into those. Yes. I feel like she was probably elevating what was 
actually on the page. Like, she was probably bringing a lot more to that than was in the script. Yeah. And I fucking loved it. Like, every moment with her on screen had just felt uncomfortable. She, I really want to deep dive into her other stuff. Maybe her earlier works from the 30s. Just to see what kind of actress she was way back then to get to this point where I was like, this is like almost Joan Crawford level kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. At, at uh, one point, the producers were considering replacing her. Why? I, I guess at one point during filming of this, she became ill and wasn't oh. able to work. And But she ended up putting up her salary for the film as a guarantee that she was going to come back and finish it. Damn. Like, she was so into this part that she was like, no, you will not fucking replace me. If if you, if, uh, like, I will give you all the money you're fucking paying me back just to guarantee that I'll come back and do this. Damn. Like, that, it was so goddamn good. <laughs> all right. So... So today we watched, released here in the U.S., it was called Die, Die, My Darling. But in, what is it? Oh, but in England, it was released as Fanatic. Seeing that there, the only thing I can think of, only thing, and it has ruined the word Fanatic for me, is that goddamn bowl cut on John Travolta and the Fanatic. Here's Moosey! Oh my god! (laughs) Everything named Fanatic is ruined. You're a fanatic! Thank you. I've always wanted to be John Travolta. God, that fucking movie, man. Uh, This movie was directed by Silvio Silvio Narzino. Written by Richard Matheson. Who is the writer of I Am Legend. Is he? Yes. Did not know. His middle name's Burton. (laughs) He's related to Timothy? No? Okay. Uh, this is based on a novel uh, named Nightmare by Anne Blastel. Uh, starring Tallulah Bankhead, Stephanie Powers, and... What's that What's that other name? Donald what? Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. And ah, uh, Donald... Donald. Nobody looked good in the 60s. Just gonna... Stick to your part in, I don't remember what horror movie it is, where you point and go, ooh. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I've never seen it. Don't get mad at me. I've never seen that movie. (laughs) You brought this upon yourself. All right. Also in the cast is Maurice Kaufman, Yutha Joyce. I wasn't sure how to say that. And Gwendolyn Watts. It was... Oh, there is no cost information on here? No, it doesn't look like we have any information on the budget or how much it grossed yeah. overall. Let's see. It doesn't have a lot of info. So, I'm going to get into the back of the box. Die, Die, My Darling. Directed by Silvio Narizini. Narizino. Terrible pronunciation. And produced by Hammer Films. That was kind of cool that came up Hammer Films. Is that the same as the Hammer Horror? Uh, I actually am pretty sure, but I'm not positive. Okay. 
Hammer Films, the infamous British studio known for gothic classic horrors. Wow, the next line would have answered your question, Leah. Bad Die My Darling stars the legendary Tallulah Bankhead. Uh, it says here she was in Lifeboat and TV's Batman. In her final film performance, she plays the psychotic Mrs. Terfoli, a demented mother who terrorizes and imprisons her son's tragic, uh, imprison her son's fiance. Pat, Stephanie Powers, she was from Heart to Heart and Stagecoach. Um... Okay, uh, Pat, to avenge her son's tragic death with the help of her brambling gardener, Donald Sutherland, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Kluge, and Don't Look Now, a domineering religious fanatic, Mrs. Trifoli, grows obsessed with the spirit of her late son, who died several years earlier in an auto wreck. When her son's former lover pays an unexpected visit, Mrs. Trifoli kidnaps the beautiful young woman holding her hostage in the basement to cleanse her soul so she can be reunited with her son in heaven you getting all this <laughs> trapped and tortured pat must fight for her life to escape die die my darling die die my darling is a campy classic thriller fueled by bank heads delirious over the top turn as the ultimate mother from hell not rated. Doesn't really have a lot more information on the back of this. We unfortunately don't have a VHS release of this yet, or even a Blu-ray. We've got the DVD from what is it? Sony. Sony Pictures Choice Collection. Which I have to say, for a DVD transfer, it's not bad. No, but it's a very shitty case. Oh, yeah, they put zero fucking effort into this. The case is one of those... bend the case, like, any which way. It's it's one of those cheap recycle ones. And this looks like somebody decided to put it through a computer and just print it on. Yeah, the 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 disc itself is just a plain white disc with black text. Yes. (laughs) It's terrible. You really put your all into this one, Amazon. Thanks, guys. Anyways. Um, Before we dive too deep into it... Mm -hmm. uh, one thing we didn't mention about the cast is, did you notice who played Harry? No. It was Peter Vaughn. And do you know what else Peter Vaughn is famous for? Most recently. Mr. Eamon! Mr. Eamon from Game of Thrones! Oh yes. my god! <laughs> he aged Holy. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I mean, think he was good, better looking as an old man. Oh, so much better looking. The man who looked like he was on death's door for so long. <laughs> um, well, oh my god. Yeah, I didn't even realize it because he doesn't look. He's as an old man. He's an old man, but as a young man, he kind of remember reminded me of. I think this is the name Peter Sellers. Who did, um, I don't think that's his name, but let's, let's see. You got the phone in front of me. Peter Sellers. I think that's who I'm thinking of. No, no, no. This is, this is Peter Sellers. That's not who I'm thinking of. Uh, the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. Frankenstein's monster from Young oh, Frankenstein. Oh, God, yeah. Peter. His name is Peter. Uh, I don't I, remember his I last don't name. Know it. But you know who I'm thinking of. That's who Henry looked like to me. Not 
Maester Aemon from Game of Thrones. Like, nope, that's that's four <laughs> lifetimes difference. Ah, <laughs> oh, sh- shit, almost the place. Found it. So, do you want you want me to deep head first into this? Let's get into this fucker. <clears throat> so the, this film opens with us meeting Patricia and Alan, who look like they are taking a little bit of a trip. Not sure what the contacts was, but he had to stop at work to drop off some film. Looked like he was a director or a filmer, just like you, sir. I think he worked for a television station, so he might have just been like a either a reporter or camera oper- operator or something. But still, he had reels. He works in the film. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, thinking, oh, Sean comes home, takes this one-by-one-inch square, pops it in a machine, and dumps all his stuff. This man is putting 20 reels into a dude's arms, and it looked like that man was going to collapse with the weight. I'm like, damn! 1965, 2023. <laughs> um, jumping back slightly, the opening credits for this movie were kind of interesting. Because similar to last week, yes, okay. how it opened with basically just an opening credit sequence before the movie starts. Mm. This one did the same thing, but it utilizes imagery of a cat chasing a mouse. Yeah. Which basically is what this entire movie ends up being. Yeah. In a way. Roughly. It it is like a cat and mouse, but I feel like it's a cat that has caught the mouse and now... Now it's playing with it. Yeah, now it's toying with it. That's what I felt. But it's it's kind of cool that they they start the movie with this this imagery to kind of lead you into and it was very giallo esque because it was bright colors and fast and yeah with funky music. Did you notice something about the the music in this? It was all that that little piano that tiny little piano. Yeah, it was kept very minimal. But it it was very effective. It wasn't, let's face it, it was not last week's movie. Oh, God, no. The music was nowhere near that. But it was very interesting where it would go like, oh, look, the music's getting positive. And it died again. It's not positive. It's negative. Run, everybody. Hide the heart. Head for the head for the fucking hills. So after the really cool cat and mouse opening credits, <laughs> we do meet Patricia and Alan. Um, after Alan is like, oh, okay, I just got to stop at work. She's like, Alan, I... I want to visit someone. Okay, who are you going to visit? Mm, that's fine. We'll go together. No, I, I need to visit them myself. Well, who is it? My dead fiance's mom. Why? Alan F. Point. Started this movie. Alan had the best point ever. Why would you open that can of worms? Why can't you just let that be in the past? Why do you have to reach out to her? Does and I was l- like, oh, look, Alan is Sean. There, there's a lot of things about the early moments of this movie that leave you questioning just why wouldn't you just do this? Why wouldn't you just do this? And the only thing I can come up with to explain it all away is she doesn't want to feel rude. (laughs) And that's that's it. That's like the cultural thing in the 60s. Yeah. Like, you could not be rude. You couldn't be rude to elders. You couldn't tell them anything. And this whole movie is a case of, if you told the old bitch off, none of this would have happened. Right. This is, no offense, this is 
give a boomer an inch, she'll take a mile. And you're just like, oh, they're cute. It's fine. Just let him go. No, bitch. Why did you even do this? I did learn one thing from the opening of this movie. Mm. Stubborn broads be driving stick shifts like automatics. (laughs) Shut up. Have you ever done that? Yes. Why? (laughs) I panicked. Didn't realize that they, my friend was like, oh, okay, I'm going to teach you how to drive stick shift. I'm like, I've always wanted to. My ex never tried to teach me how to drive stick shift. He was smart. He knew I'd blow his clutch out. (laughs) I got in the car. We started at one part of McDonald's and I did the whole like, ha, ha, ha. Nope. I, and then we put it in first and I tried to go faster and he's like, you gotta put it in second. And I went, how do you do that? Slammed on the brakes. <laughs> Smelt the burning of the clutch. Uh. He was not happy. <clears throat> Forever on, I only drive automatics. Because why? I'm too stupid to drive a stick shift. And you know what? And that's the failure in my generation is... When you got to a certain point, even the generation behind us, which is Gen X, they learned how to, they had stick shifts and then you get to our generation and automatic was the only thing we could get really. You could get a stick shift, but they were a little more expensive. Well, once that became, once automatic became a thing, they like very quickly phased out stick shifts Mm. for the most part. Like for a few years there they were putting out both yeah and then they were just like nope fuck this yeah if you want a stick shift in any kind of car you even need to custom it or pick a car with only a stick shift yeah which seems like a lot of the newer sports cars they're all they're all stick shift well cause sport, uh, stick shift allows you more control so like when you're in a sports car if you're gonna use it for it's sporty ability mm. you kinda need it <laughs> Not everybody's using it for that sporty ability. No. They're just using it to be dumb. So Patricia drives away. We see her going to look for the house, pulling up to it. And as she pulled up at the house, did you automatically think, it's the house from fucking house? My first thought was, oh, this looks like where the Firefly family lives in House of a Thousand Corpses. (laughs) Or like the offshoot cousin from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but only in the woods. Yeah. Like... The house was decrepit, falling apart, but it was still in that, like, if it was there and falling apart in the 60s, that means this house was built in, like, the 1700s, and the layout of this house was fucking cool. It was awesome. Like, this is kind of the house I would like, but the doors be a little wider, because I'm American and I'm huge. Uh, 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 uh. Are you laughing because I'm fat? No. <laughs> God damn it. No, the no was more like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I gotta go. <laughs> Continue on. <coughs> Don't you dare edit that out. Stop throwing me under the bus. Um, Patricia gets out of the car. She heads up to the house, all while Harry is in a boat, just in underbrush, just staring at her. And then once she gets up to the house and starts knocking, he frantically gets out of the boat. And I'm just like, I don't understand why he was freaking out so hard. We could have used without that part. Just him being creepy was enough for me to like, I don't like you. Well, you kind of figure (laughs) it out, like, why they are acting the way they are Mm. as the movie goes on. True. 
I wasn't too clear on that. We'll get more into that one. <coughs> she knocks on the door. Anne answers and looks at her kind of like nutty. Until she says, oh, I'm I'm Patricia Carroll. I sent an email or been, I've been mailing. Sent an email in the 60s, Leah Jesus. I sent mail <laughs> to you. Just coming to visit. I'm like, oh, come on in. And the minute she gets in that house, I'm just like, run. I don't know. Bad vibe. Bad vibes. <laughs> run. Well, the minute we meet Mrs. Trefoil. Trefoil? Trefoil? I think Trefoil. Trefoil. The minute we meet Mrs. T. We... Like, we feel like something's off about Just her. uncomfortable. Like, it's almost like she's what she is. She's lost in grief. Yeah. Because like, you very quickly learn that, it's, oh, her husband passed, or her son passed away. and Her husband passed away, and then her son passed away. And then you learn that Patricia is his former fiance. Yes. Which, oh, okay, if it's been years, that makes sense she's fell in love she's found someone new you know that's how you do it after people die well that that's like at the, during this scene where we first meet her is where like i was like okay so this is what this movie's gonna be like we got this dynamic of a mother who lost her son and the woman he was meant to marry who's now trying to move on with her life yeah. and remarry but so she, it's gonna be this awkward dynamic yeah but she said that she was on a trip She's American. It does emphasize that she's from America. She's on a trip. She's visiting. You know, it it, it it does make sense to me in my mind why she would go visit. But it'd be one of those like, hey, come to the door. Say hi. You know, want to see how you are. Shit like that. Not I'll stay a couple nights. Well, like she, but she lied in her letter. She lied 100%. She said she was taking an extended trip. She was going to be alone. So this woman didn't think she had anybody to go back to. Yeah, but at the same time, like, she didn't... From the moment she got there, she didn't really... Mrs. Trefoil didn't really give her a chance to ever... Speak, really. Speak. Like, she just kind of was like, Oh, you're here. You're going to stay. And... She was like, uh, no, I wasn't planning on it. Mm. But she's like, no, 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 no. We made up a room. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you, need like, to be, you need to be downstairs at church at 7 a.m. And not trying to be rude. She just kind of goes with All it. Right, and she's like, All right, I'll stay one night. I'll stay a night. Whatever. What Biggest happens? mistake of your life. Be rude. Be a bitch. Say no. Push the old lady down the stairs. Everything's fine. Sometimes you just have to say no. <laughs> That's how the body looks when it sh- when when you shake it. <laughs> it's not it's the fine. Line. Yep, there it is. Sometimes the body does that when you shake it. <laughs> you know, needless to say, that's the line he says at night to make me fall asleep. <laughs> what kind of relationship do you have with your significant other? It's fine. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <laughs> oh, my God. So Patricia begrudgingly says, all right, I'm staying here. She goes up to the room and first thing she notices is she's like, oh, I want to fix myself. I've been driving. So she pulls out her compact mirror and she's like, all right, there's might be another mirror. She looks around and the mirror is literally looks like it's been ripped off of the frame on this bureau. And I'm like, oh, that's a little weird. Why? Why? Why'd you do that? So she goes to ask Miss Mrs. Trefo- Trefoil, um, do you have a mirror I can use? And this lady just goes crazy. Well, so th- this is this was flag number fifty. She she starts spouting all this stuff about how, like, about like vanity being like a sin. Yep. And these are where the 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 heavy religious themes of like fanaticism start to seep into this movie really really bad and like hence the original title yep uh but like mrs trefoil like over the course of what is to follow she kind of demonstrates a lot of strict and insane uh like dedication to hours of prayer and uh conducting she conducts her own services within the walls of her home because she thinks that the new priest in town is a sinner. He, she thinks he's a sinner because um, it's a little more farther down the line but she and Patricia go walking to the church. She's like, we're going to go pray at 7am. She's like, that's kind of crazy, but okay. Uh, she mentions, yeah, prayer at 7 and then eating at 10. I don't know when if I'm ever going to eat because they're all weird in this house but the thing that he says is like oh uh, the priest when they're there says Mrs. Trefoil you don't need to leave and she goes evil sinner uh, evil boy like like evil preacher or something like that and he she emphasizes saying evil boy and I'm like evil boy yeah like oh okay and she says oh he uh He's taken another woman, you know, he's he's defiled the sanctity of the marriage. And Patricia's like, oh my God, he cheated? That's terrible. He goes, yes. He goes, uh, with his dead wife. What do you mean dead wife? Oh, his, his wife died years ago and he, he is married in this church again. Like, that's a sin. She's like, it is not a sin. It is very normal for people if someone passes away for them to fall in love and remarry or fall in love and recouple. It's not bad but this woman sees it as the highest sin because she says once you are betrothed you are already married in the eyes of god so she's like patricia you are steven's as good as steven's wife and she's like oh wait a minute and we'll go back to because they were never married they were never married the betrothal to me okay Go 200, 300 years ago. When you were betrothed, you were promised. Betrothal is promising. You were promised in the eyes of God to this man. That's it. Like, that was it. This is your done. 
When somebody gets engaged now, that engagement to me, and this is 100% what I believe, when you are a couple that's dating, you're testing the waters out, you're falling in love, you're figuring out if you really want to commit. The engagement, whether three, six, nine year, whatever, I feel like it's a it's a trial by fire. You've already coupled, you've already decided I'm going to live together. I'm going to have a house together, a car together, stuff like this. But at any point, I can say, I can't do this, and it's done. It's over. Once you're married, though, it's a whole different story. Well, because, like, I kind of agree with you in the sense that, like, the engagement is where you've been through the dating. Now, once you're engaged, that's where it's like, all right, now we start tying all the little parts of our lives together. And things start to get harder to figure out they get complicated yeah but i don't think that this is where our belief comes in i don't think you need a ring to go through the engagement part no if i had to be a hundred percent real with you and i we're at the end stage of the engagement part like we're at the marriage door but we're never going to get married yeah we've just gotten to the point where we are tying the loose ends that we want and to me, once we have our own home, that's the marriage. That's Basically. that's that point in my brain. I feel like, and it's not it's not like oh we need to make more money. We need to do, do, do. once we have a forever home. Once we have a house that we can then really merge our tastes together. Yeah. Because unfortunately, where we live now, we are merging. We are doing great. The best we can. Yes. (laughs) But now we need to see if the two of us can work together on, I would like our bedroom to be all black, black carpet, black everything, matte black, very minimal lights, like noise canceling sun. Nope. (laughs) Blackout. Blackout curtains. I'm struggling. Um, And I want a bedroom with no music, no TV, no nothing, just silence. You sleep in this fucking room. That's fine. You fuck in the room, too. But you sleep in this room. That's it. That's what I want. And where we are right now, we can't have that. (laughs) No. We have black sheets. That's as close as we got. And blackout (laughs) curtains for one side of the house. Yeah. (laughs) But like engagements were so much more different back then. And back in the 60s, that was when the older, that older generation was, you know, trying to work with the greatest generation because that's where Patricia is. She's from the greatest generation. That's what I'd say. Their ideals of church, of love, of all of this stuff was so cemented in the old ways. The greatest generation is the generation that went through the wars, that went through all these troubles and everything. And now they're in the 50s and 60s just starting to settle down and have their lives. But they don't want to live like their parents. They want to do it differently. So that's where I would say a lot of religious beliefs kind of got a little more lax. Not where they're completely gone like they are now. Yeah. But to her, oh, I was engaged and then he passed away and now I'm engaged again. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh no, like a a widow who can never love again. She's like, no, I'm going to move on. Like, let's move on. And that's why I think this movie is great in that sense because it really shows you that difference between the God-fearing people and the people that are like, well, God can have a place in my life, but I don't have to be obsessed with him. Right. And it's... 
This movie does it very well. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, what I was thinking was this was going to be more of a fanatic, like, misery. Where she was obsessed with something. Well, I mean, in a way, it but not kind re- of is. Not religion. Like, she was obsessed with, like, the idea of, like... Trisha being a beautiful woman. That's what yeah, I yeah, thought. Yeah. Like she was worshiping her, not a, re- not God at that point. You know right. what I mean? So that's why I was very happy with it. I was like, Oh, it went in a different direction. I kind of like this uncomfortable as it may be. I think honestly, the closest thing I can like relate this film to is another one you haven't seen, which is, uh, Kevin Smith's red state. No, I've never, never seen red state, which that one very much, has to do with like it's like a group of people who are so obsessed with like the rapture happening that they like they end up kidnapping a group of kids and basically like this is Kevin Smith yeah he, it's one like one of the darkest movies he's ever done and it's like very serious for the most part but it's it's very good in its own way hmm. uh but it's one of the only other movies I can like really cite that's like deals with religious fanaticism the way that this one does. Mm. It's really it's interesting because it's like it's giving you a narrative that's centered around a woman falling beneath like the entrapment of religious insanity. Damn. Like it's very it's haunting. It and I guess I can get into this now a little bit, but like for me, these types of stories are the hardest to swallow mm. because religion is something that I never agree with. Yeah. And I'm not like, I don't want to say like, sound like I'm saying, oh, if you're religious, you are a piece of shit or anything <laughs> like that. But I... <sighs> Religion honestly infuriates me most of the time. And when someone takes that idea and turns it in such a way, like a dark way, or at least in the way I see it, you shines a light on what it really is. Yeah. It just sets me on edge. So, like, throughout this entire experience, I just fe- felt this pull inside of me of just like like that <gasps> yeah. someone needs to kill this fucking bitch like I just I couldn't I hate it I hate religion so much and what it does to people yeah and this in, this is a film that encapsulates that that feeling I mean as someone who was religious for a time in her life I was very religious I you know was a youth uh, youth minister I helped with a youth group. I went to a Christian camp every summer from when I was a kid till I was an older teenager. Like, I was very much indoctrinated into Catholicism, uh, Christianity, but not Catholicism. I leaned more towards um, my dad's side of the family, which is Methodist. My mom's side's Catholic. I, I, I will say it here and now. I don't apologize. I hate the Catholic religion. It is hypocritical in every sense and I don't care if people get mad at me but you are going by a book that may or may not have been written by a bunch of people that thought it would be funny to write a book about religion 
Like, you don't know, like, we don't know if any of this is true. There's been battles, wars for thousands of years. These people are fucking terrifying. Yeah, the worst part about it is you can't ever talk to anybody, to a religious person, logically. Most, well, most religious people, there are some that can think about it logically, but because they always come back with the same arguments, there's just, oh, you just take it on faith. Give me some fucking evidence yeah. <laughs> to take it I'm, on. I'm like, done. I'm done with faith. I'm done with trust. I'm done with hope. I don't want to sound like dark and depressing, but times have been fucking tough, guys. Yeah. It is dark and depressing, and I'm not going off of Sky Daddy and what he can if, do for me. If Sky Daddy is real, fuck your faith, man. Like, yep. give me some goddamn evidence. Like, I can't what? take it. If God is as <laughs> loving and forgiving. He doesn't give a shit about what you and I think. He's like, all right, have fun. I would rather... Just don't kill anybody. (laughs) I go on the philosophy, just be a good person. Like, why do you have to sit here and be like, oh, from the book of Matthew 13, Revel 88, removed four times. Like, why do I have to go by the... Oh, sorry. Why do I have to go by these when... Like, just be a good person. No right from wrong. Don't yeah. do anything that will get you arrested or killed. That is it. Treat me how you want to treat yourself. Done. So where were we in this? Uh, well, we were on the religious zealot crap. Oh yeah, we were just getting into that. And it, it's going to happen a couple times because there is this woman doesn't let up. She doesn't let up at all. The film ends and she still hasn't let up. No, I'm not it, it's kidding. It's fucking maddening. So. There's a lot that happens, and without going into, like, a lot of the religious peaky stuff, I think it's going to kind of be, like, a quick um, run-through, because the same thing pretty much happens the whole way through. So, once uh, Terraful hears this information that, you know, she has... um, No, she hadn't got to that point. She looks at once she says, you know, you're as good as his wife. You know, you guys are as good as married in the eyes of God. She says, I never intended to marry Stephen. She walks away. She walks right back to the house to pack her shit to get out. Um, It's Trifoil. Trifoil is not having it. Um, She literally at this point is so mad and so grief stricken that she would damn her son's soul by not staying lo- true and loyal to him until she dies. That she forces her into the attic apartment, which has bars on the windows, and locks her up there. Not before... Oh, no, she... No, I'm sorry. That's a little too soon. They lock her in her room. She tries to escape by breaking the window. She tries to get out. All these things. And that's when Miss Trifoil shows up with a gun and says, you're not going anywhere. Like, no, you're going to, you're staying here because I need Steven's um, soul to be pure. And you've sullied it. Because you're his wife. You've sullied it. Like, come on. (laughs) This is where it gets fucking ridiculous. Like, every time this woman opened her mouth, I was like, you just, can you just drop dead, please? <laughs> you old bat. Just fucking die. Um, so she gets back upstairs. And at this point, she hasn't eaten in 24 hours. They're literally, she's literally starving her out to the point where she'll just like, oh, if you eat, we, she'll say anything you want just to get food at that point. 
So at this point, she tries everything. Patricia tries everything to get out of her predicament of where she is. Um, she uses the old tie the sheets up to the bed. Where did you get that many sheets, number one, <laughs> to get out of that? Tie the sheets up to the bed and escape, unfortunately. Anne, who is the maid, and Henry, who is kind of the butler, they see her. He drags her in. Uh, bring her back upstairs. Mrs. Trifold is pissed. She has beaten her. Tr- trifold. 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 No, I'm going to go. Trifold sounds great. This is Trifold. So, such a pain in the ass name. Uh, gets so pissed at this point that she brings scissors upstairs and has Anne shred all of her clothes. Be rip or ruin all of her makeup, break all of her jewelry, like just ruin everything she has because you're not getting anything nice because you are being a a bitch, basically. At this point she's trying everything she can. She is absolutely desperate. Um she tries to get well what was um Donald Sutherland's character's name? Joseph? I think it was Joseph. I think it might have been Joseph. She tries to get Joseph's attention several times. Um I'm not 100% where the whole you want these keys came from. Something we're kind of glazing over is that the maid and the butler... They're married and they've been employed for 16 years. Yes, they've been with her for a long time. They're married, uh, but they have troubles. So, like, we know just through conversation and then later it's confirmed, but that he's been talking to some woman in town. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's something going on there, but they are like, cause the, for the first like half of this movie, I kept like asking like, why the fuck are these people working for this woman? Like why they very clearly don't want to be. Yeah. And you learn just through like passing dialogue. And then it's confirmed like with, uh, Mrs. Trefoil that at least he committed, uh, Harry committed some kind of crime. Like it was like. And it was kind of minor by comparison. It was like uh, something along the lines of like tax fraud or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there's some sort of evasion or fraud thing. And they were essentially on the run and took shelter here at uh, with working for her. Like, and she essentially they had some kind of deal where she wouldn't tell if they worked for her. And what I thought was funny was when. Patricia was put into the room the first time and was going to leave, I had pointed out there's two suitcases that are shut up there and they're two very different looking. Yeah. And I'm like, you even said, I wonder if she she did the same thing, kidnapped them, held them here. So that tells me those were their suitcases when they were on the run and they've never, just never moved. They've never right. left. Which... I find it hard to believe that these people would just stay here, put up with all this bullshit. But we also find, like, through this, through the context clues and, like, reading the synopsises, I think she went crazy after Stephen killed himself. Like, she was already a very strict woman, and maybe she had been turning to God to kind of get her through it. I think over the net over over the years, like because it said like two to three years or something, he's been gone. Yeah. Uh, over the years, she's gone nutty. So I think she's gotten to the point where now she threatens them. Like if you leave, I'll say something, and it's just gone downhill. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I think 16 years ago they worked for her. Like, oh, I'll you know she was probably a reasonable human being. But to answer <laughs> your question, the 
do you want the keys thing mm. uh she was she noticed earlier on that harry was had like a that like sexual look towards her mm. so she was standing in the window unbuttoning her shirt to get his attention oh okay i didn't notice she was unbuttoning her shirt okay yeah so he came up and was like, oh, you want the keys? And she goes to hit him over the head with like an urn. And he's like, you don't think I knew that wasn't back there? And then he proceeds to the wrapping. Or he tries. He tries. And Mrs. Trefoil walks in on them. Yes. Knows exactly what's happening. Because at this point, um, at that point in the film, she had looked to Mrs. Trefoil and said, I'm not a virgin. Yeah. And Mrs. Trefoil is now, like, keeping her up there, not feeding her, and reading the Bible cover to cover to her almost every day. To the point where she's so hungry, she'll do anything. Yeah. So I think the thing that she, after that whole thing with Harry, she stayed up there for a while. The Mrs. Trefoil came up with... Yeah, so I think Patricia was so hungry that she brought up the oatmeal to her to get her to say or do anything. And that's when they were trying to get her to write a letter. And she wrote a letter back to Alan saying, you know, something. We don't know what the letter said. But I don't think Alan was taking the letter seriously because he drove there. No, and it's kind of funny because, like, from the moment they decided to keep her there, like, one of the things that I kept asking myself was... Wasn't that Alan's car? Isn't he going to want that back? Yeah. Like, where the fuck? (laughs) If I pulled the same thing on you, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see my dead fiance's mother just visiting. I'll be back tomorrow. She says I'll be back tomorrow by noon. Wouldn't you go looking for me tomorrow at noon rather than what looked to be like seven or eight days? days? But technology wasn't as good. Yeah. So there was no technology, no phone, no nothing. He had to go by, oh, she told me where it was. Where was the town that I need to go to? Right. He had to kind of figure it out. But eight days seems like a lot. Like, I honestly want to say it was eight days. Trying to count. Yeah, it's hard. It was a little hard to gauge, like, the exact amount of time that was we were shifting through. Mm. Like, it was easier during the beginning because... When she goes downstairs for like she takes a nap, mm-hmm. and then when she goes downstairs for the the service, uh, they are it literally shows like a passage of time. It gets dark outside, and she's been reading fucking pages and pages of the Bible for like hours already, yeah. which is insane. But <laughs> some people do it. Yeah. So Mrs. Trefoil got so mad at Henry. Henry ended up getting killed by the old lady. Down in the Giallo basement. Oh my god, this basement. It gets even better by the end, but this oh, it basement. Does. We gotta go into that at the end. It's but. got, we don't see it right away, but it has stained glass windows. But we don't know the extent of what the basement looks like. We only see the beginning uh, of it, and then we see kind of like what is a utility closet. And she kills him in around the utility closet door opening of it but as she's dragging his body there is this beautiful green and purple lighting and let me tell you the blood is cherry red it is not blood it is just red paint (laughs) it's beautiful so the colors when they do it like this um it's just they're so fucking vivid it's like 
not quite Lisa Frank S vivid. Yeah. I will say that for people who understand. Like this is 80s brightness with the like that 90s color saturation, if that makes any sense. I hope maybe. Anyway, she kills him the next day. Uh, Mrs. Trefoil is like, oh, Anne, go into the market. You know, you can take your day. Don't take as long as you need to. It's fine. Um, and Anne was like, oh, where, where's Henry? Oh, he, he's staying in London for me. He's doing a couple of jobs. Oh, how long will he be? Like three to four days. Okay, that's fine. She doesn't think anything of it because it sounds like she sends him on errands all the time. Yeah. So she leaves to go to the market. Well, something, because we kind of jumped over it. I want to talk at least about the the moments right after she kills Henry. Okay. Because for me, that was one of the most powerful moments of the whole movie. I think I might have missed it. So, like, right after she kills Henry, uh, she ends up going up. She's got blood on her hands. Oh, no, I didn't miss that. Okay, and yeah. she ends up going upstairs, and she's, like, literally falling apart as she tries to, like, clean her hands off. Yeah. Because she just killed a man. And you assume that this is probably the first person she's ever killed. And this kind of leads her to... She's trying to get the blood off her hands, and then she, like, ends up going over to a closet where she has a hidden bottle of alcohol, which up until this point, you've heard all the different things that are sinful and that, like, you you can't fall to, like, alcohol or uh, vanity or, like, you can't wear lipstick, you can't put condiments on food. Yep, you need, uh, your like, food needs to be uh, as plain as Jesus's food or God's yeah. food. So, like, you get to this and you see that it's like, she has faults. I don't think she actually drinks any of the alcohol. I know she takes it out and she's like struggling with it at first. Yeah. And I think she puts it aside and she takes out a thing of lipstick and puts that on. And the moment she puts it on, she starts screaming, Stephen, forgive me. Because she's, she like realizes that she fell into sin. And she's looking in a mirror too. So it's like, ooh. So she's like, she, you see that she is grappling, not with just losing her son and with like all of this like guilt of not of letting him leave and not protecting him but also she doesn't entirely want to be the religious person that she is like she she has these these ties to like being normal And, and it's i don't know it's a very interesting and strong scene in my opinion Mm. and it further gets compounded when we get to the end which we're rapidly approaching yeah Anne's in town and she goes to purchase or pick up a few things um and it's kind of like this little bit of like um like a slapstick kind of comedy because they pass um Alan and Anne pass each other and they pass each other again and Anne gets stopped by a neighbor who's like, oh, you should tell hear about my mother died and this is how I've been and this woman's just, we both wanted to strangle her. Um, so Anne hears through the door, I'm looking for Mrs. Trefoils and she realizes, oh my God, it's the fiance, run. So she just bolts and then Alan comes out and looks at the same woman and says, oh, do you know how to get to Mrs. Trefoils? 
Oh, do you see that woman? Uh, yeah. Oh, she just she just left me mid-conversation. I was trying to tell her about my mother who's in a casket and died. And same exact thing she just said to Anne. And you were just like, I'm gonna str- I want to strangle that bitch. Can I kill her? Can I strangle her? <laughs> I was like, absolutely. Um, but at this point, it gives them enough time to see if he's stuck with this woman. Anne gets back, t- runs up the stairs, and tells... Mrs. Trefoil, like, he's here. He's in the village. He's asking where you live. And that's when, for the first time in, like, days, Patricia perks up like, Alan? Alan's here? Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Um, But she's, at this point, hungry, weak. She's been stabbed several times. She got stabbed in the shoulder. She She has, like, a couple cuts on her arm and her back. She's also went swimming at one point because she tried to escape and went to a lake and fucking Henry's toying with her going, I got a boom. Hey, bitch, I got a boom. Throughout this entire film, she's constantly trying to get out of this situation. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, she tries to escape, comes back. So we didn't include all of them because none of them were really that it didn't matter one of them was henry just running around a horse going oh okay i'll go get you it's like that seems kind of stupid um so she's beat down she's exhausted whatever they lock her up in the tower and Anne and mrs trifoil get downstairs and it's like mrs trifoil knows how to act like a normal human being she opens the door and goes, oh, hi, I'm Ellen. You know, Patricia was saying, oh, she was, but she left. You must be the fiance. It's so nice to meet you. She talked about you. Oh, she left her hair scarf here. Can you give this back to her when you see her? Like, I'm so sorry she had to leave so suddenly last night. She said she had to get back to you. I don't know where she is. She acts 100% normal. And I'm just like, that's the person you need to be. Not the crazy ass lady. That person. <laughs> you know? And at this point, um, it is severely confusing as to what happens next. But I'm going to try and... Because it was kind of quick in some scenes. Well... Not at the house. Because he leaves. He ends up at the pub. And at the pub, he's like, oh, no wonder. Your bird will contact you again. She's probably hiding. She probably thinks it's funny. Well, yeah, uh, the lady he ends up talking to at the pub is the girl that Harry was seeing. Yes, because she's wearing the brooch that on behind it, it says from Alan. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. And he, they're kind of talking, passing by, chit-chatting about stuff. And it's funny how British humor it was to see him, okay, well, I'm going to leave. Thank you very much. Gets in the car, goes, drives a little ways, and then they fake us out. It stops and turns around. I'm like, he did notice the brooch. He's just stupid and didn't realize it till halfway down the road. Yeah. You and I are looking at each other going, is he really, is he really driving the fuck away? Is he really going to leave her to her fate? And then he stops. I was like, thank God you're dumb. <coughs> so he turns around, goes back to Mrs. Trifold. Trifoli. Trifoil. Mrs. T. I pity that fool who has to stay in her house. Oh, God. Come on, everybody. Um, he gets back and he parks his car far away and walks very casually onto the property trying to see if he wasn't seen. But Anne notices that, you know, there he is. So Anne's trying to stop him from going upstairs. Joseph's trying to stop them. Should we mention that Joseph is handicapped? He is mentally he is mentally yes, challenged. He is mentally challenged, which I was kind of surprised to like see how far um, Donald Sutherland took that. Yeah. Which, 
But it was the you 60s. Know, yeah, it was, it was a different a, time. A different time. And he played it respectfully it uh, was, enough, I think. Was, yeah, I mean, he wasn't degrading to someone who has mental challenges. No. But it definitely was a... They definitely did put that stereotype there that was not appreciated. Oh, yeah, for sure. There was one scene where all she writes on it is, call police, Mrs. Trifles, help, and goes, can you bring this to the post office for me? Thank you. And he's just like, okay. I was like, ooh. Like, they they made him seem simple-minded and stupid. That is not the case. No. We have, we've known plenty of people that, that yeah, <laughs> You guys were assholes. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but Joseph is very protective of Anne. Says, don't hurt Anne, don't hurt Anne. And ends up kind of knocking hey, um, Alan out. Oopsie. Um, and then at that point, we see <laughs> fucking Patricia is gagged, tied up on her legs, tied up on her calves, on her thighs, tied up on her hands, worm crawling so much better than the last film. I mean, Clint Eastwood was army crawling. This chick was tied the fuck up and like yeah. S&M wriggling. Like, ooh, I'm a snake. <laughs> I'm a sneaky snake. And got herself downstairs. And at that point, I think, I don't know how it happened because Joseph and Anne were very against them. And then Anne started helping them. And I don't remember... How they like? Because I know that he said your husband's dead or something. I don't remember how it happened. Wait, what? So how did they go from trying to stop Alan to helping Alan? They didn't until the very end. Yeah, we're at the very end. We're talking about the very end. Oh, I mean, they haven't even gotten to the basement yet. So. Oh, they're not in the basement. How did they get into the basement? So. You're gonna have to finish this one out because I was really confused by this. So. Uh, Patricia ends up falling down the stairs and knocking herself unconscious against the railing. Oh, okay, yeah. And yep. then that's the the big scene of the movie where she says that uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph, her Stephen. Stephen, her son, spoke to her, and that she now she realizes now that she can't cleanse her, and she, that it's time for her to join her son, and that she has to die. Die, my darling. Oh, yeah, I said the thing. Die, die, so, my darling. So, uh, Mrs. Trefoil takes Patricia down into the basement, and uh, this is during when uh, Alan shows up and he gets into the scuffle yeah. with the two of them. So, he, she takes her down to the basement, and this is kind of like what I wanted to talk about because when she brings her down here, we get our full first full look at this basement. Yeah. And the thing that like I fucking loved about this was that she we see that she the basement is essentially like a vault of all the things that she's tried so desperately to lock away. Yeah. So she's like she stored all of the sinful stuff, like the the vain memories of her past, where it's all these beautiful clothes and photos of her as like what looks like some kind of starlet, an actress, which are actually her. Because if you look close, it's actually what Tallulah looked yeah. like when she was acting in like the twenties and the thirties. 
Yeah, and she's she's basically trying to she's trying to bury Patricia with all the sinful things from her past. Yeah. And I thought this was so fucking cool like cuz it's like essentially she's dragging her into her the darker parts of her mind. Mm. It's like the things she wants to forget because God is the only way now. Um, so she gets her down there and she's planning to kill her. She's, uh, I think she's talking, she's talking to a painting of Steven. Of Steven, yeah. Which is down there too, which is the most, it's in a gold frame. It's, it's the most enormous. thing. It's very up center and it's like, why did you hide this photo because, down here? Because it's a memory. It, she's trying to not hold on to the memory that causes her pain. Mm, okay. So she keeps that down there, but she can go down there and visit it. Yeah. Just like she can go down there and visit her past. Yeah. Like, it's kind of that whole, like, internal part of her that Patricia's been dragged into. And Stephen ends up... Stephen. Alan ends up... Too many people. Yeah, right. Alan ends up fighting th- through... That the two of them, and I'm pretty sure he just gets down there. Yeah. And he's able to stop uh, Mrs. Trefoil from stabbing Patricia. And they kind of have a scuffle. The other uh, two, Joseph and Anne, Anne come downstairs and kind of see all this happen. And that's when Anne opens the other door because she hears the water and then sees her husband. Oh, I know what it was. They try to stop him from getting into the room, mm. but Mrs. Trefoil shoots through the door and hits Joseph. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then Anne's t- tending to Joseph and Steve, uh, Alan gets into the room and saves Patricia. Okay. That's how it went. So That's the part I was missing. Okay. Yes. In the struggle, Mrs. Trefoil falls on the, the knife hand first on her hand. Yeah, on the blade and so she's kind of like sitting on the floor like oh I'm hurt and she keeps saying Stephen they hurt me Stephen they hurt me like, yes Ugh. and Alan gets Patricia out of there she tells Anne and Joseph not to let her leave uh he takes her out to the car Anne finds the body of her husband Henry Harry Harry or Henry I think, I think it was Harry. It was Henry. I don't know. H man. Lean into it. She finds Harry, the body. Harry, you're right. Goddamn. Finds the body of Harry, and she she then go like kind of gets really upset. Yes. And we go over to Miss Trefoil, which I also really liked this, as she kind of wanders her way over to the painting of Stephen. Stephen, and she puts her hand near his face. But before she gets to the painting, as she's making her way over to it, she grabs onto a drapery for support, and the drapery f- falls over her. Onto her, like, half-slumped shoulder. It looks kind of fashionable. Covering her in red. Which, earlier in the film, she calls the devil's color. Yep. I thought that was so fucking fitting. Symbolism. <laughs> and she makes her way over to the painting, and we we're, we we kind of stick with her yeah. for this moment. 
and she she kind of has her last moment with Steven. And then she goes from very like like crying to just shock to blank face and you're like what happened? And she falls over and we see that there's a knife sticking in her back. And that's it. Which we can only assume Anne put there. I mean, could have been Anne, could have been Joseph. Could have been. But could have been Carol came back to get revenge. Could have been Alan was well, so mad. Like Carol and uh, Patricia. Patricia Sorry, and Alan were already out in the car driving away. They could have stopped. Eh. Well, that's basically where the movie concludes. Yeah. Now, I personally th- thought this was really cool. Like, this is a far better film than I expected to be watching today. I agree. This was a far better film than I was expecting to watch, but I think you were happily, ex- like, that exceeded your expectations. This was like, oh, mine just kind of went a little below average. I was like, all right. To each their own. I know. I wasn't thinking religious zealot. I was hoping fashion. Fashion was not on my mind. <laughs> I mean, religious zealot was not on my mind. Fashion was. Shall we go into closing questions? Absolutely. Did you have any favorites? Um. Any favorite moments? Any favorite lines? My favorite moment probably was when they yelled at her to change her sweater. <laughs> go upstairs and change your sweater. It's almost seven o'clock. What are you wearing? Don't be late. Like, oh my God. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. No pun intended. This sucks. <laughs> like that right there, that little moment would have been, if this isn't a fucking red flag while wearing red, go upstairs, get your shit and just run. Or better yet, grab your pocketbook and walk out the fucking front door. Be yeah. done with this. That should have right there been the, I'm good. I'm going to go. I'm not even going to tell you. You don't even deserve to be told. About you. Uh, I think my two favorite moments were the the entire ending in the basement and the breakdown Trefoil has after killing uh, Harry. Mm. Like those two were just like the best, most captivating parts for me. I did like this movie for basically everything that it was, but do you feel you would have done this any differently? No. Really, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have made I wouldn't it have about done an this. old woman. I, w- I wouldn't have done this. You wouldn't have made it about an old woman who was killing women, beautiful women. I mean, <laughs> that would just be a different movie. I really would. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do this. I don't think I would do anything differently. I, like, I feel like the performances alone were just perfect. Crisp, so good. Would you call this mainstream exploitation or other? This belongs on exploitation. This is religious exploitation. This is fucking fanatic religious zealot kind of shit. Yeah, I agree. Definitely exploitation, which is good because we're trying to cover way more of these. Honestly, I get really disappointed when the grindhouse picks from that goddamn website that I picked blind aren't exploitation. I mean, it... <laughs> So I'm happy that this one is. To be fair, it's very tough because Grindhouse and Exploitation is a very, they're very muddy waters. I picked this off of the Exploitation tab. But there are so many things that are just lumped into and Hmm. like under the Exploitation umbrella that it's hard to really, like you kind of, 
when we ask these questions at the end of each episode, it's more like, do you feel that this is exploitation? Do you feel that this is mainstream? It's not so much definitively it is or isn't. Mm. So I personally feel that this film was exploitation. Okay. Do you have anything else you would like to discuss about Die, Die, My Darling? I mean, no. This is a pretty decent movie. Trying to get away from the Giallo-esque and get into some real weird stuff. I thought by the the title and the poster, we'd get a decent one. I'm glad we got a good one. I would have settled for decent, but good is even better. And I have a feeling that this will be watched again in the future. I think so, too. Mm. All right. Well, that brings our discussion of Die Die, My Darling, to an end. But don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. I tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly... Man, as the dominant species of life on Earth, would be extinct within a year. By direction of the President of the United States, stay in your homes, I repeat. Stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations. Even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation, because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. For born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them. And there shall be destruction and darkness come up in creation. And the beast shall reign over the earth. Is there any type of gas we can use? No, we can't take a chance. It might poison the whole city. Guess what? What? More bugs. That's what them is about? Them's about bugs? Them's about gigantic radioactive ants. Come on, I had to sit through ticks last year. I don't want to watch this. Hey, hey. I'm already itchy. This one's classic giant monster movie, like black and white type of shit. Is this from the 80s? No, this is from like fucking... So this movie is a big one because I have seen... 1954. Cavity Colors and Fright Rags have them releases lately. This is one of the most popular, like, Atomic Age type of movies there are. Behind Godzilla? Well, it's it's one of the most... Like, it's 
when you think of giant monster, black and white monster movies, them is one that you would probably think I've of. I've never heard of them. I thought them was like an 80s kind of zombie thing. What the fuck are you thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. They? Nope. <laughs> they, them, their? I mean, we got a they and a them over there. <laughs> ah! Ah! Oh, God. You about ready to end this now? So next week, yes, we are going back to black and white once again for the giant ant atomic age monster movie them which is personally one of my favorite of those type of like black and white creatures radiation causing giant mutant monster movies but godzilla exists i said one of my favorite godzilla is obviously a cut above the rest god's king godzilla's king or else he's gonna nuke you well these these ants don't get that big oh okay they're little ants they get giant but not godzilla size okay, they might good. be ant size to godzilla oh like they're, that's terrifying they're huge, sounding. but <laughs> i'm i haven't watched this movie since i was a little kid i'm very excited to revisit it and i'm excited that it's going to be your first time with it oh boy i'm nervous i don't like bugs don't be nervous it's all in good fun after I stab him with a knife in the back. Wait, this is Trefoil. I well, said it right for the first time the whole time. <laughs> well, before she kills me, if you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we previously covered. Or you can be bold and suggest us some movies that you'd like to see us cover on the podcast. Do it. You know, we don't want to pick all of them. You got, you guys can have some input. Pick for me. <laughs> all the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us every Monday morning and give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to show this show some support, you can subscribe to us on Patreon or directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening and unlock some fun, exclusive bonus content that we really need to get back to making more of because we've only done a couple so far (laughs) but all of these things are just for our supporters yes until next week i'm sean i'm leah thanks for listening and keep watching or god will smite you When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.